Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. In the immortal words of Judy Brown, happiness is a choice. And we're happy you're spending some time with us, Chip and Zay, one to three, here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. And, uh, you know, Zay, I want to I wanna ask you a question because we did, we did have some interesting Longhorn news come down. I mean, not, it's, it's just news, not interesting. Um, we had uh, Mo Blackwell, who is in that battle to be the weak side linebacker for the Texas Longhorns, come down with a knee injury. Ugh. And we learned about this from his mother posting it on her Facebook. Wow. And in the process of, of uh, putting this on her Facebook page, she mentions that, um, and this is uh, Mo Blackwell's mom. Her name is Christine Trim Blackwell. She posted that um, Maurice Stinka tore his oh, MCL. She, <laughs> she calls oh, wow. him Stinka. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you get that a lot in black cultures. I've heard multiple kids called Stinka. So that's funny that she says that, but not funny about the injury. MCL, that could be serious. Well, it, it, she says that he'll return in two to four weeks. Okay. Um, so that would that would mean it's a partial tear of the MCL, what they what they call a sprain of the MCL. Um, and so the good news is that he'll be back hopefully within a month, but now his nickname is out there, you know, and I have my, my, uh, my dad used to call me boo. And interesting. Yeah. And he said it was short for boo. Well, this is, this story is going from bad to worse. Um, <laughs> but he said it was for short for Buster Brown. But he he called it, you know, instead of Buster, it was Boo, Boo Stare Brown. He made it sound French or something. I hated it when he called me that, like, around my friends. Yeah. Because my friends are like, hey, uh, what the hell's this Boo thing going on? <laughs> and I'm just wondering, like, did you have a nickname from your parents or something that maybe you're like, hey, you know, can we just keep that between us? Ah, yeah, no. Uh, unfortunately, no. I, yeah, I, my parents, they were really good about not giving me any embarrassing nicknames because there's so many different ways you could say Isaiah. Like, I obviously, I go by Zay by a lot of my friends. My parents never called me Zay, but they called me Zaya, especially my mom. So that would be it. They're the only ones that are allowed to call me Zaya. Like my wife doesn't call me that friends, just random people. Like don't call me Zaya. That's only for my parents, but 
no, I'm, I lucked out. Thank goodness. I lucked out. I think my parents were very, very happy with my name. So they like just giving me different nicknames within that. But yeah, I, I had the classic when my mom would get angry, she would say my full name, Isaiah Jordan Collier. I oh, would yeah. always get that. So every time I heard the full name, I knew something was up and I mucked up somehow. But yeah, man, boo, that's <laughs> especially what boo means now in 2023. Boo. <laughs> I know. That means there's significant it, other or something. I know. It makes no sense. Makes yeah. no sense. Um, God bless Doc Brown. R.I.P. Doc Brown. Miss him. I was a. Just a hopeless, you know, Michigan and Lions fan. He, he <laughs> you know, by God. Uh, and he, uh, he, he got into the, he was a doctor. He was a surgeon. He was Man. a surgeon for 30, for 33 years. And then he got into the fast food business because he got tired of all the politics, uh, you know, insurance companies telling him how to, how to practice medicine. So he had a patient who had done really well with Wendy's and started a concept called hot now, hot now. And it was burgers, a, a burger fry and a drink for a dollar 39. Wow. And so, and it was, it was like what uh, shortstop is here. Mm. Just drive through no, no going inside. And you could, it, it the service was like Chick-fil-A, like the line could be around the block, but you were going to get through in like two minutes, you know, because right. let's be honest at lunchtime, the burgers were, you know, they were making them left and right. And they, they were made with mustard, ketchup and pickle. Well, my dad gets in trouble with the, you know, he had one, he was killing it. And then he opened another one and another one and he didn't want, you know, he wasn't minding the store. And so suddenly the sales were, were going down. It was oh. like, so I had to go home and help him. And I'm, this is, this is 96. I'm like 30 and I'm in there. It's like February. It's oh, no. cold. It's <laughs> And this guy pulls up to the order board and he's like, I want a double cheeseburger and I don't want any pickles. And I'm like, I'm sorry, sir. That does come with pickles. And he's like, I don't want no bleeping pickles. <laughs> and the next thing I know, the car's coming up to the window and there's a gun. Oh, right, wow. Like pointed right at me. And I just fell backwards, like literally fell backwards and, this this kid Alvin was on the grill. He's like gun, and everybody just hits the deck, and and then all of a sudden we hear is is this guy's pulling away. Next time I don't want no pickles. Wow. And I was like, okay, we're closed. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's yeah wrap, wrap it up. Wrap it up. And yeah, we're not mopping or nothing. We're getting out of here. Everybody go home. So my, uh, my man, Doc Brown, he, uh, he, we ended up just like giving those, those burger joints away because he didn't know what he was doing. And it was, uh, it was a mess, but, um, yeah, that was, uh, that was my man, Doc Brown. 
we we uh yeah, we we were struggling there at the end on that uh on the on the burger joint you know what i'm saying yeah yeah i bet you those burgers were bomb they sound good to me oh yeah yeah but compared to the shortstop shortstops that's my joint right there <laughs> yeah no no special orders everything came with pickles i didn't realize people are so like polarized about pickles I- I mean, not to where you pull out a gun, which I'm sorry that happened to you, man. That's absolutely brutal and traumatizing. But, yeah, I, I don't like pickles either. But it ain't going to make me pull out no pistol. Like, if you put pickles on it, fine. But, wow, that's that's a little dramatic, buddy. That's a little dramatic. Maybe Maybe we just pick off the pickles, you know what I'm saying? Right, yeah, just take them off, you know. They might have a little dilly taste, but you can work with it. <laughs> like, come oh, man. on, man. That's Detroit, yeah. though. I, I've heard Detroit is a tougher area. You know, I've watched a, a lot of Detroit documentaries and stuff, and Big Meech is from Detroit, BMF, and all that stuff. So, yeah, Detroit, you got to watch your back and have your head on the swivel when you try to roam around those streets. You know what I'm saying? Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, I guess we got some other pickle haters in here, too. Our man CB says, I hate pickles on my burger. Man, up in up in Michigan, they had uh, the big thing is like an olive burger. Okay. It uh, have you ever heard of that? I have not. Oh man, it. Uh, it, it I'm not was, an olive guy, so that doesn't sound too good to me. I know. I'm like, where did this come from? What? I mean, <laughs> olive burgers. Yeah. But we, we had an olive burger on the on the menu. It was uh, that that was a mess. Um, all right. So Zay, what's your, what's your go-to man? What's your go-to? What's my go-to like food spot or burger spot or or what, what, what do you get on your burger? Um, um, I, no tomatoes, no pickles. I'm good with the rest of the vegetables, like lettuce and onion. Give me a little mustard and ketchup. I'm good to go, man. Especially if the onions caramelized or something. I like cheese too. I gotta have cheeseburger. But, you know, I'm not a pickle or tomato guy on my burger. I'm like CB. It, it can ruin the burger. It can, it can ruin the burger. How about you? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm actually a mustard ketchup pickle guy. On okay. The, uh, and, and some cheese, you know, a little cheddar cheese. Yeah. Never hurt anybody. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, that um, – are you, you're not a mayo guy. No. Nope. I can't eat mayo on anything. It's okay, good. Not my thing. You and I, yeah, we share mayo, Miracle Whip, none of that stuff. I can't stand it. Oh, sour cream? <laughs> oh no, no, no way, no. And my wife loves that stuff. Like me and my wife, our palates match. But there's some things that she likes that are way out there that I can't even mess with. And. One of those is, you know, certain things on sour cream, certain Mexican dishes and enchiladas. She'll get the sour cream and throw a big flop on there. And I'm like, you're ruining the meal just like that. And Yeah, I'll, I'll do some salsa, some guacamole or something. But sour cream, can't do it. Can't, can't do, do it. it. Can't do Absolutely it. Absolutely not. Well, um, back to the uh, Maurice Blackwell uh, news. So this this is the position battle that we've we've been watching at weak side linebacker. This is where Demarvin Overshone was playing last year. Overshone, obviously, you know now with the Cowboys and he's recovering from his own 
uh, ACL tear, but um, this is going to be interesting at that weak side linebacker position because you've got fifth year senior David Benda, who, you know, has not had a huge impact outside of special teams up to this point. And he's a fifth year guy. But as we've talked a little bit about before, he's trying to kind of pull off the same thing that Jalen Ford did last year where Jalen Ford emerged as a third-year player and turned into an all-conference player. And so David Benda, every, everything we've heard is this guy's been vocal, he's been on point, he's trying to lead, and, and he's going to see the field. He's going to see the field a week from tomorrow um, you know, against Rice. And, and then you had Mo Blackwell, who's a safety-turned linebacker, fast, will hit you. This guy is a striker and you know Steve Sarkeesian was talking about him as a uh, guy who can cover obviously they like him in coverage they like him blitzing because he's fast and he can he can take a good angle to the quarterback and then you've got Anthony Hill the freshman the five-star number one linebacker in the nation in in the uh, uh, 2023 recruiting class Came in early, made an impact. This guy's a good pass rusher. I think he's definitely going to be on the field in pass rush situations from the beginning. And then as he learns the totality of the weak side linebacker position, I think, you know, he'll get more reps on first and second down or non-passing downs, if you will. And, And so this is one of those position battles that is still playing out. And one that we're kind of interested to see what the, the depth chart looks like now, obviously it's down to David Benda and, and Anthony Hill, at least for the first month of the season. So that that's where this injury uh, to, to Mo Blackwell impacts the Texas defense. And I mean, it could mean Anthony Hill needs to ramp up his learning curve. He could number zero, he could be on the field uh, maybe more than we we thought even for the Texas defense. Yeah, Chip, you're exactly right. And not only does this affect this Texas defense, it affects the special teams because Mo Blackwell, with him being that safety turn linebacker and the speed that he has, it makes him a triple threat when it comes to being on special teams on both sides, you know, kick return, punt return, and also the defense. So Jeff Banks, he's taking a hit there too, and they're going to have to fill another spot in that sense. And you got to feel for Mo Blackwell, man. Like if he's going to be out for two, to four weeks I'm thinking more four weeks than two you don't want to come back too soon don't want to rush any yeah right I'm back before conference starts then um you know going to Tuscaloosa so him missing that game which it seems like he's going to miss that being two weeks from tomorrow that's going to hurt a little bit and again you're right Leola LaFowle, Anthony Hill those guys they're going to have to mature early because with the heat that's going to be on that field, it's going to be hard for guys to play the full 60. Like, it, it's just, I don't see that being a thing for any of the guys. I don't, it don't matter how hydrated you are, you're going to be a little fatigued just because all that adrenaline and stuff, you're going to be nervous and, you know, you're going to throw everything into the first half, which you should, but hey, you're really going to see 
the conditioning that these guys did over the summer and in fall camp before you, you know, what you see on the field. Let's see if that translates. So, yeah, I feel bad for Morris Blackwell, but next man up. And if that means David Benda, you're going to have to get more snaps and get more reps, then so be it. I think in year five, you talk about him being more vocal, being more of a leader and stuff. I don't know if he'll be able to do what Agent Zero brought to the table, but as long as he's good, not great, I think that's fine because what he has around him from the very good defensive line and the very good secondary, that can make up for a bit. So, yeah, it, it hurts a little bit, especially for Morris Blackwell personally. But as a team, uh, we'll see how much it affects the squad. But it might affect the special teams more than it affects the defense. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt about it. It's a good point. He's been a, a big-time contributor on the uh, on the special teams, Jeff Banks, um, special teams unit. He's a striker, and uh, and Steve Sarkeesian. Speaking of special teams, Steve Sarkeesian feels like he's got the top two gunners in the country, in Keelan Robinson and Keaton Crawford. So um, Steve Sarkeesian getting bold. Keelan Robinson yeah. and Keaton Crawford at the gunner yeah. position. Yeah, and a lot of guys, especially when you get to be in that first teamer, a lot of guys – they say, ah, oh, no, nah, I'm not a special teams guy. I want to save my body. That's the dirty work. Like, you know, let me just play offense or defense. And when you have a guy like Jeff Banks, who everybody and they mama loves and everybody wants to play for, it makes the game fun to where, oh, man, I want to I want to be a part of that. You don't have that kind of ego. So guys like Keelan Robinson have come from big time powerhouses like Alabama and, you know, in a season to where, Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson leave, he could easily say, you know what? I don't want to do this special team stuff no more. I want to focus on being the lead back because that might be my best option on going to the NFL, which at the end of the day, they look for everything. And all these guys know that. I think uh, Steve Sarkeesian and this coaching staff, they make it a vocal point to you know, let them know that you could get to the league on special team stuff. Like they want to see everything at the next level. And I think that's very important. And I think that Jeff Banks especially has done a great job of just making special teams look fun. Like Keelan Robinson, he was bragging about all of the punt blocks that he wanted to have. You know, he said he wanted to have a ton this season, you know, when they go and gamble. And he's had a few since he's been on the 40 acres but I thought last year they took a step back in the special teams. I thought not having Deshaun Jamison there, that was a mistake. I love Xavier Worthy, but Deshaun Jamison, he showed during his tenure at the University of Texas that he was for real. And you see him for the Kansas City Chiefs right now in the preseason returning punts. Like, what? if Andy Reid can see it, why can't Zark see it? You know, that's just – and, again, Andy Reid's going to the Hall of Fame, see him in Canton whenever he retires five years out. But, like, that little things like that, like especially Xavier Wordy with a broken hand returning punts, when you had somebody like Deshaun Jamison who – 
held his own. Now that might have been to save him, you know, save his legs a little bit on the defensive side, but we, we really don't know that. And again, I, they have to be better in their punt return and kick return, putting themselves in better position. Like I got to see some touchdowns. I like, didn't see no touchdowns last year for a punt and kick return. That's a problem. Like that—that's a problem. You gotta have guys that make you know that make people miss. You gotta have the blocking on point, and hopefully Jeff Banks and his coaching staff—they made that a main point going into the offseason, coming into the season next week against Rice. That those things will change. Yeah, I mean Deshaun Jameson made the play of the game at Oklahoma State two years ago. Texas was down in that game. I still don't know how Texas won that game. This is the game that ended up in overtime, and Joseph Osai sacked Spencer Sanders to end the game. But they were down. I think they were down 10 in, late in the game, and Deshaun Jameson returned um, a, a punt all the way for a touchdown, got him back in the game. Some crazy stuff happened in that game. And somehow Texas, like Sam Ellinger hit – Hit uh, Jake Smith with like a fourth down touchdown pass. I mean, it was just crazy what happened in that game. And Texas came back and won it. I still don't know how they won it. Um, but, yeah, Deshaun Jameson kind of got Texas back into that game with a big return. And um, the last year of the – three years ago. Sorry, three years yeah. ago. Yeah, Sark was wasn't that that one. Yeah, it was Herman. Yeah. Um, still can't believe Texas and Oklahoma state are not playing this year, but I think Texas fans should be happy because they were due to play in Austin and Oklahoma state has owned Texas in Austin. It was crazy. They'd won five in a row at one point. Um, it just, uh, I don't know what it was. Mike Gundy just, I mean, they, they actually have the longest winning streak of any team against Texas in Austin in, in school history with five. They replaced Notre Dame. So uh, no Oklahoma State this year, but, man, weird, uh, some weird scheduling, no, no doubt about it. Um, okay, so, Zay, we did a little thing over at Horns 24-7, ranking Texas's position groups, okay, from one to nine. And – I should I ask you what you would rank your what you would rank the Longhorns position groups or should I tell you what uh, we did and we just go yeah let's hear what y'all did and then we'll go from there and I'll say if I agree or not okay all right now be so, now before we now before we get started did you differentiate the interior linemen and the edge rushers or that's all together all together okay all right all Good together. All right. So we've got uh, the defensive line at number one. You've got uh, Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, Alfred Collins, Vernon Broughton, Trill Carter, uh, Sadir Mitchell, the depth. And then you add in the, uh, the edge rushers like Baron Sorrell, Ethan Burke, Justice Finkley, Colton Vosick, the man they're calling Baby Bosa. Um, <laughs> Jaron Thompson said they're looking mean, nasty, and violent. Your thoughts on the defensive line being number one? 
Um, by the way, thank you, CB. Jason Jameson, he's over there in San Francisco. I just remember Red, and that's right. But, yeah, as far as the D tackles and the edge rushers go, I'd probably say they're tied for number one with the wide receivers. I could make the statement that both of them, yes, like their top guys are big time, but there's question marks on the non-starters. You know, even though Byron Murphy and Trevondre Sweat, we know those guys are going to be dudes and they're going to be playing on the next level. We've heard a lot from Alfred Collins, but when the bright lights hit, he's very inconsistent. And if he can bring it all together, then I see what you're talking about, Horns 24-7, with you guys that this is, you know, the best part of this Texas roster. But then with the wide receivers, it's like – the big three that you have with A.D. Mitchell, Jordan Winnington, and Xavier Worthy, and then who's next? Like, yes, Isaiah Nayor has a lot of upside, but coming off that ACL injury like we talked about this week, is his mind and his body on the same page? You know, is he going to be able to go out there freely and play football and not worried about getting injured? Casey Kane last year with all the drops, the one at Iowa State, I don't think I'll ever forget that. Like, that was so crucial. And that would have completely changed the game if he caught that ball. But that's an old story. Hopefully he's learned from that. So the new number eight, what is he going to be? And we've always talked about Chip with Sark. He don't want to play a lot of guys anyway. History shows he hasn't played a lot of guys anyway. So will we even see those guys? If we just see that big three, then for sure it's the defensive line because I think Bo Davis, we know he's going to rotate. We we know that for a fact. We You know, Jerondre Sweat talked about it in his presser. Like, it don't matter if I get 40 snaps or 25, I'm going to give it my all no matter what. So when you have all those dudes that you can rotate in there – like, that's very scary for opposing offenses and opposing quarterbacks. But Alfred Collins, you got to show me something. Vernon Broughton, you got to show me something. Jare Bledsoe, you got to show me something. Trill Carter, you did very well in the Big Ten. Absolutely. So I know you're going to bring it, but still, you got to prove it down here. And, you know, until that happens, I'll put the wide receiver crew and the defensive line kind of in the same area. And then also with the edge rushers, you know, Ethan Burke, is he going to be ready to finally, you know, to step in and be like, okay, it's my sophomore season. Everything's coming together. I'm about to bring in. I'm about to be the man. We have Baron Sorrell's pops on here, chopping it up with us a little bit in the comic section. He's hype about his son, and his son's talking about getting double digits taxed this year. I think that can very well happen, but – you know, kind of like with Casey Kane and kind of like with, you know, Isaiah Nayor and, you know, Jare Pletzel and Alfred Collins, all those guys with question marks. There's question marks with Colton Vossick. There's question marks with Justice Finkley. Like, are those guys going to be able to put it together? I think they can, but hey, it's easier said than done. Well, you kind of, you kind of anticipated where the, the next, position group on the rankings list of receivers receivers at number two. Now I know, I mean, A.D. Mitchell, the addition of A.D. Mitchell, I just watched the replay of the Georgia Ohio state college playoff semifinal game and A.D. Mitchell catching that game winning touchdown pass with a minute 54 left. I mean, huge talk about clutch. Now 
the Georgia defense somehow let CJ Stroud get loose and he was he was zigzagging down the field, got him into field goal range, and then old boy hooked that thing like a like a drunk yeah. golfer. That was sad. <laughs> he he just he had it was just a little too far out of his range. He got he was trying to muscle that thing and he hooked that thing so bad. But Georgia, of course, we know the rest of that story. But you had a guy like A.D. Mitchell to to Xavier Worthy, uh, Isaiah Nair. You got the number one receiver in the 2023 recruiting class, Jonte Cook. So receiver comes in at number two. And and I think I think Xavier Worthy, I think this is good for him. I mean, to have that increased competition and um, I thought I thought Worthy last year um, at times showed frustration, certainly in the Oklahoma State game. I thought his body language uh, sort of upstaged Quinn Ewers. Ewers was obviously obviously having a tough game, but, you know, rather than, you know, keep your your helmet up or your chin up or whatever. I thought, I thought it got a little weird in that game. And, and then obviously, you know, he had the broken hand. We don't know when exactly or what it was a broken bone in his hand. I don't know how painful it was. I don't know what was going on. We didn't hear about it Worthy kept playing, but I just think this whole, you know, bringing in um, AD Mitchell, Isaiah Nair back from the injury. I just think it makes the whole room, that much stronger and where everything's not being relied upon for worthy to come through for all the, all the plays to be made. And that's, that's something that, um, you know, if worthy, let's say some worthy had to come out of a game, I think they're okay. I mean, that's and that last year, if you'd have said that, you'd be like, what? So, that's how much stronger the receiver room is going into this season, I think. And that's that's where, um, you know, Steve Sarkeesian, I think, is feeling so much better about this offense. So, um, okay, so we're, we're counting down the position rankings, defensive line, receivers number two, tight end number three. So Jatavian Sanders is the uh, – the reigning all big 12 first team tight end. He's six foot four, 243 pounds, bit of a freak athlete. Um, the guy can get deep on you. He'll, he makes contested catches. Um, and then probably one of the biggest developments over the summer uh, is how improved junior Gunner Helm is. I mean, Jeff Banks told us that Gunner Helm um does everything right, works his butt off, might be might be a little better blocker than than JT Sanders, um, and and doesn't get the targets. And and Jeff Banks said, Yeah, man, I you should be mad. And you should take out that anger on uh on workouts and and just continuing to get better because we're gonna need you. When you least expect it, we're gonna need you. And so Gunnar Helm taking a big step at, at tight end. And then, you know, Juan Davis, um, who's another kind of stretch the field tight end, has struggled with some soft tissue injuries. I don't know how much playing time he'll get if, if Sanders and Helm stay healthy because those guys are clearly uh, two of the best tight ends you're going to find. And, and, you know, we know Sark loves his – 
his uh, two tight end personnel packages so that he can use them for motion, use them as lead blockers in the run game. Um, but tight end number three, Zay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Gunnar Helm last year, I thought he was very good and very key spots. I don't think he gets the recognition that he deserves. A lot of that has to do with JT Sanders and how good he is. Probably the second tight end taken in the 2024 draft. But yeah, when Sark goes 22 personnel and then you switch back up to maybe a 20 personnel, like that'd be tough. And sometimes that 20 personnel chip will be JT Sanders as a wide out. You know, that's how versatile he is. And sometimes you'll be able to have Gunnar Hellman like playing a normal tight end position. And maybe you put JT Sanders in the backfield or something like a Travis Kelsey to where they flip him the ball in the red zone. I don't know. You just have to get creative. You know, if I'm Steve Sarkeesian, you were hanging out with Kyle Shanahan earlier, definitely watch. George Kittle film, like what they do with him and how he's all over the field, both of those guys. So, yeah, this tight end room, I, I'm with you on number three. Like, and that just shows how deep this roster is because I could easily put different position groups in there for number three. But I think JT Sanders, he's just absolutely incredible. And this season, I don't know if he's going to have more catches or more touchdowns just because – you know, there's only so much food for everybody to eat. Now, that's going to not allow guys to key in on them, maybe like they did last year, which he should be open a lot more. But I feel like he's improved his blocking. And with the talent that you have, he will be open. But there's only one ball. Not everybody could get it. And, you know, if, if he doesn't have the yardage that he had last year, I'm not going to consider that, oh, he had a down year compared to, you know, 2022. No, you just got to look at what's everybody else benefiting from the fact that he's so good that you have to have eyes on number zero. You know what I'm saying? So it's going to be interesting to see how the tight ends go into this season because they're just as deep as anyone else. And it's going to be very difficult for these defensive coordinators to try to see who do we stop? Like when you go in, obviously you just stop the quarterback first, but as far as like the skilled positions, what are you focusing on? Because the what you don't focus on could eat you alive. And I, it's going to be obviously week two. We're really going to see it. But, yeah, I, I'm very interested to see how these defenses go about it. And a lot has to do with Sark, what we talked about yesterday. Are you going to be able to adjust to the adjustments uh, specifically in the second half? Yeah, yeah. That's good stuff. Uh Going through our uh, position rankings, we did this over at Horns247.com. Defensive line, number one for Texas. Wide receiver, number two. Tight end, number three. And quarterback, number four. Now, we were talking about food earlier in the show, Zay. Uh, you and I are not mayonnaise guys. We're not sour cream guys. Uh, Quinn Ewers remade his body by getting away from the Chick-fil-A and going to the salmon. Salmon and vegetables. I mean, this dude went from 218 to 200. He, you know, buzzed his hair off, um, trimmed the beard. But, you know, he 
this guy came out of spring ball apologizing to Longhorns fans for not coming through um, last season. And he, I love his accountability. I mean, he even said at the bowl game after the OU game last year, he felt like he knew what was going on. And then after the Oklahoma state game, he realized there's a whole lot more I need to learn. And I thought he got better, uh, especially in the bowl practices. And I thought he was better in the bowl game against Washington, even though Texas lost that game, there were some drops in that game. Um, Xavier Worthy, JT Sanders had a drop. Jordan Whittington had a big drop on, on third down. So, um, you know, the quarterback position, Quinn Ewers, man, everything on offense points to that guy. And by all accounts, Quinn Ewers, solid camp. His teammates are buying him. You and I always talk about how the players always know. The locker room knows who's real, who's not who's a leader, who's a fake leader. They're buying Quinn Ewers as a leader. Um, and Jordan Whittington told the story at Big 12 Football Media Days. He said about a month ago, and this was in July, they were you know, gathered up and Quinn Ewers was talking and then some other dudes started talking and Quinn Ewers said, hey, I'm talking. Don't be talking when I'm talking. Yeah. And Let Jordan them know, Quinn. Yeah, Jordan Winnington was like, oh, okay. Here's Quinn Ewers. Meet yeah. Quinn Ewers. Yeah, yeah. Because he felt all the criticism last year. Y'all joking around and stuff. Like, when we lose, who does it fall on? Sark, then me. As the quarterback of the University of Texas, it falls on me. And he did not handle that well last year at all. I mean, when you come out of a big powerhouse high school like South Lake Carroll and you're the number one player in your recruiting class, you know, you can have an arrogant, you know, aura about you. And I'm not saying that can be a bad thing 100% of the time. You got to be a little arrogant to be that good. You got to say, okay, I'm better than everybody here. Watch this. But you have to put in the work to have that respect and have that feeling about you and have that swagger about you. And Quinn, yours, you, you saw flashes of it, just how, you know, his communication with his teammates off the field and how much they love him and stuff. You saw flashes of the leadership, but you didn't see it enough to where you felt comfortable that a quarterback like this is where a quarterback should be i just finished up the swamp kings with the florida gators say what you want about tim tebow call him a lame call him a square whatever yo that dude to this day still has the respect of of his former teammates they showed a little clip after the documentary was kind of over of those guys getting together now in 2023 and they were chopping it up and you know it was a whole bunch of brothers and tim tebow (laughs) <laughs> like and he and if and he fit in and those guys were like man reminiscing about the good times and stuff and we all know Quinn Ewers has a lot more talent than Tim Tebow so does he have the work ethic I, it's getting there it's getting better and better you talked about shaving his head you talked about him not eating Chick-fil-A and dropping away which Quinn you better than me brother like that spicy chicken sandwich no pickles obviously that's hard to resist if my wife brings that home even if I was on the diet I'm probably gonna chomp it up so uh, Quinn I, I know you're feeling it right now but salmon's cool too especially if you sauce that thing up and get it right salmon salmon will get you through but yeah man like this is it like this is 
you have always had the aspirations of getting to the NFL, being a top pick. If you go look at a whole bunch of mock drafts, a lot of them got Quinn Ewers going top 15, top 10. You know, it's like Caleb Williams, Drake May out of North Carolina, and Quinn Ewers. And a lot of people are saying, how? With that freshman season, how are y'all saying this? But it's that beautiful release. It's that just a effortless, you know, type of game. And look, if he brings it all together, gets the mechanics right, stepping into his throws, you know, understanding that, hey, option one might not be there, but option three is, then sky's the limit for this Longhorn team. Sky's the limit for Quinn Ewers. And, yeah, I like him at your number uh, uh, your number four. I like that a lot. Well, and in- – you know, Malik Murphy and Arch Manning. I mean, this is as talented a quarterback room as I can remember. I mean, three deep. Because I think Malik Murphy is a super talent. I think he's – I mean, it cracks me up. The dude is at least 6'6", six, six, and he tells everyone, I'm 6'4". I'm 6'4". Why, why do they do that? I don't get that. Kevin Durant does that. I don't get why these athletes always try to dumb down their height. It makes no sense. Like, embrace it. What? I think, it's be- I think it's because, what, the last time, the last two quarterbacks in the league who were 6'7", you know, Brock Osweiler and, uh, and Dan McGuire. Okay. And they're, they're kind of, like, once you get past 6'5", Five, I think it gets a little weird. I don't know what I don't know what's going Yo, on. The highest paid quarterback in the NFL six six, Justin Herbert. So it could work, baby. It's all about you know. It's all about here. It, it, it could work. So Malik, embrace it, dog. Embrace it. Yeah, and I, I think Malik is talented, man. And I love his. You know, they call him the mayor of the locker room. This dude's personality, he is a Pied Piper. Everybody's drawn to him. Um, Every position group, doesn't matter, offense, defense. Malik Murphy, dude's got an an electric personality. And those guys will play for him. So if he ever, you know, needs to be in the game, that team will play for him. And I think he's, I think he's better than people think. This guy, you know, I've talked about how he dragged his high school team in California, Sarah High School, to a state championship. They were not expected to win. Uh, the Sarah coach told me he won three state championships, and and the one that Malik won the state title with was the least talented team he'd had of the three to win it. He said, we won it because Malik Murphy willed us to the championship he had a AC joint sprain in his throwing shoulder early in the season, had to miss three games, but they were playing their top district rival. And he was supposed to miss that game. He said, coach, I think I can play. He couldn't throw the ball more than five yards, but they, they incorporated little screens. Like, you know, they would make, make the defense think that he could throw it more than that, but he never ended up throwing more than five yard passes and they won 15 to 12. And, and then he got stronger as the season went on and got better, played better, everything. And then of course he got, he got uh, his ankle broken in the, in the state championship game and he had to have surgery um, and, and showed up to Texas as an early enrollee and couldn't, 
you know, go through the spring because he's in a boot recovering from that ankle surgery. Um, and then last year, he got in a scooter accident and he hurt his wrist. And Sark was like, what are you doing? Dude, I need you healthy. And that's why, and, and, and that he was out. Like he was not available for a month. And, and so Sark, that's why Sark said after the spring game, the number one thing for Malik Murphy is to stay healthy. And that was, that was Sark's message to Malik that, look, dude, as a quarterback, I can't have you missing. And, and so he's been, he's been healthy and he's had a, a good camp. And then, of course, Arch Manning and everyone was going gaga over Arch after the first scrimmage because he had that 50-yard run where apparently he got to 20 miles an hour. Blaze on him, Arch, baby. Blaze on him. Jaron Thompson said he, Arch was rolling. <laughs> I love Jaron Thompson. He's hilarious. Oh, man. And so you had, you know, Arch Manning running crazy legs Manning all of a sudden. And, and so people were all high on Arch Manning, but it's still Malik Murphy, number two, Arch Manning, number three, although Arch is a sponge. He's picking it up fast. So talented, talented quarterback room. All right, let's uh, – we move from uh, defensive line, receiver. We're ranking the position groups. We did this over at Horns 24-7 for the Texas Longhorns. Defensive line, wide receiver, tight end, quarterback, and now – linebacker and this is obviously you know Jalen Ford the tip of the spear should have been the big 12 defensive player of the year last year he is the preseason big 12 uh, defensive player of the year this year Um, and we talked a little bit about this at the beginning with the Maurice Blackwell injury Um, and according to his mother who calls him Stinka uh stinka could be out a month <laughs> but you've got you got david benda you got anthony hill um let's be honest there's probably gonna only be two linebackers on the field most of the time there'll be a nickel and you'll have uh jade baron as the versatile do-it-all you know corner safety linebacker hybrid love love jade baron but uh linebacker number five zay so i know y'all made this before you heard about mo blackwell would you change it if you knew now what you knew about him when his mcl injury that's uh that's interesting. You know, I probably wouldn't because I think Anthony Hill is going to be better than people realize. And, and Anthony Hill could end up being more of a, a pass rusher, um, you know, kind of a strong side guy, kind of like Joseph Osai was finally his last year at Texas, um, where you just want him headed toward the quarterback and not, not dropping into coverage. Although I think Anthony Hill can do that. I think he's really twitchy and, He's got long arms. He's got great instincts. So I'd probably leave it. I'd probably leave it the same. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Anthony Hill, once he figures it all out, then we know what he could be being that five-star recruit coming out of that Dallas area. But 
it's still a question mark for me. Like Dave Benda adds, I'm still nervous about him going to Tuscaloosa and yeah. all and both freshmen. Now that Mo Blackwell seems like he's going to be out for a little bit. Like is LaFowl, is he ready as a freshman? You know, we know we've heard a lot about him. And I think once the flip switches for him, look out, but I, you know, Jalen Ford, Obviously, he's the man, and he has a lot to play for. He could have came out in the draft, but he's like, man, I want to be a first-round pick. I could do that this year. And I think he's also embraced just seeing him at Big 12 Media Day. Like, that dude, he knows he's the man of this or this defense, excuse me, and that, like, hey, I got to bring it every game. You talked about it uh, a couple of days ago, Chip. He had zero tackles in the first game of the season. And I remember saying, like, next week, talking, you know, uh, in media and on air, yo, where was this dude? We, we got to have him on because this next week, it's going to get real. And ever since then, that Alabama game, he was showing his ass. So that they got some guys, but besides Jalen Ford, it's just I'm a little nervous. Like we know Anthony Hill and Leon LaFowle, we know they're going to get it eventually. It's just how long is it going to take? And you had some security with Mo Blackwell. Now you don't have that these first few games. So uh, we'll see how Pete Kukowski and Sark handle it. But, yeah, I this linebacker crew, they could still be very, very good. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a good point. I mean, Mo Blackwell being out uh, most likely for the Alabama game is a definite concern. Okay, so – Linebacker at five, we're doing the position rankings here. Uh, number one, defensive line. Number two, receiver. Number three, tight end. Number four, quarterback. Number five, linebacker. Number six, safety. And this, this brings us to Jalen Catalan, who I uh, wrote about in the Insider at Horns 24-7 uh, this week. I would – you know, recommend uh, everybody get over and read that story because it's it's a fascinating journey he's had. And the bottom line is this guy was a freshman All-American in 2020, um, averaged 9.9 tackles per game. This guy is always around the ball. He studies, he sees it, um, you know, in the story. Uh, Craig Niver, who was recruiting Jalen for Texas at the time that he was coming out of Mansfield Legacy High School, uh, told Jalen's dad, um, you know, Sherman Catalan said, why are you recruiting my son? And he said, because your son's hips are always moving toward the ball faster than everyone else. <laughs> and, and that's the truth, Zay. I mean, I would just tell people go watch his highlights from 2020 at Arkansas, go watch his sophomore film from uh, legacy where he just 183 tackles, nine interceptions. Like people still talk about his sophomore film at legacy. Like it's like they saw a unicorn running across the street, you know um, to me, Catalan is the key. And, and I know people are scared to death because he has not, you know, this is his fifth college season. He's only played one full college season. And um, I just hope I just hope for Texas's sake, you know, for for our sake, for the fans sake to be able to watch this guy. Hope he stays healthy. It's it's big time. You know, you've got Jaron Thompson, a senior. You've got Keaton Crawford, who's 
really picked up his game. You got Derek Williams, the freshman, who they call the Raptor. And I and this guy's picking it up fast. Um, it's a it's a it's a good mix of veteran and youth, but they need to stay healthy. Absolutely. And like you said, it starts with Jalen Catalan. And at that size, that's what really scares you because the way he plays. I know, man, the way that he plays at that size, it's like science says this doesn't make sense. So, you know, you can see why he's been out of the lineup a lot, especially when he was at Arkansas. Hell, you talked about him going back to his uh, legacy days, like the dude tore his ACL there. So he's dealt with a lot. And what's beautiful about this list that y'all made at Horns 24-7, Chip, like the fact that this secondary is number five, like this secondary – it could be a is huge. Like a secondary is deep. If you spread it out, we talk about John A. Barron and what he brings to the table. Absolutely got hosed for all Big Twelve defensive team last year. Like he should have been maybe first team. The dude was everywhere, and what he does at the nickel position, it's absolutely special. And the guy backing him, who was hurt a lot last year, that I thought was very good, Jalen Gilbo. Like he was very good until he got hurt in what was that Oklahoma State game. And that really hurt the secondary and what, you know, Kukowski wanted to do with mixing it up and stuff. But, you know, even Michael Taft, like, if you put him out there, he might not be the fastest guy. And I know when you see a white dude playing in the secondary, you're kind of like, okay, can this guy bring it? But he does have that Westlake DNA, and he earned a scholarship for a reason. So Michael Taft, he could get in there and mix it up if he wanted to. But, yeah, like, what are these corners going to do? Like Ryan Watts, we know that he's kind of had an up and down camp and, you know, there's been rumors about him, his spot not even being safe. Like can Gavin Holmes come from the ACC and Wake Forest and really contribute and be that guy at 5'11", even though that's a little little small for Sark's liking at the cornerback position. He likes those big 6'3", Ryan Watts looking guys. But at the end of the day, if you could play, you could play. Like, you know, there's been plenty of small guys go to the NFL and get tons of money playing the cornerback position. So that shouldn't be an excuse for anybody. But, hey, what Malik Muhammad, that's who I want to see in that Rice game. I'm definitely going to be paying attention to number five because what I heard, yo, Oak Cliff, you know, I got to shout out his hood. Like, again, no fear. He has no fear. That's all I've heard about him. The dude has no fear. He's not afraid of the moment. He's won a state championship, so the bright lights don't scare him. And I get it. I get why, you know, Sark's been raving about him and they were so happy to bring him down to the 40 acres from Dallas. So, yeah, man, the fact that y'all have the secondary at number five is very impressive because well, and I it's just, be it's just the safety. Just the safety position. We're working our way to the corner. Oh, okay. 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 That's all me. That's all yeah, me. Okay. But but I, hold that thought and and love this from uh from from Hung Low. Hey, there's <laughs> awesomeness. Hey, Hung Low, your awesomeness, you know. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. And, uh, and our man Orlando Orlando, you guys are the bomb. I'll follow y'all anywhere. All right, tell your friends out, and enemies. Guys. Tell You're your friends out. and enemies. Chip and Zay, one to three on the uh, Texas Sports Unfiltered app and YouTube channel. And By, by the you, way, my friend, I, I don't think you could keep calling Mo Blackwell Stinker. I don't know if you keep calling another grown man Stinker. I okay. don't know that. <laughs> did, I, 
Am I, am I stepping in it? I just love that that his mom put that yeah. in there. Yeah, I think that's just for moms. I think okay. that's just right. yeah. Or try that. Whenever you get them, next time you interview Mo Blackwell, I'll probably get stinker. I'll probably get punched in the face. Oh my goodness, okay. that would be hilarious. I'm getting walked into a into a in an emergency room situation. I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that might just be for moms. I get okay. it. I get it. Okay. You gotta have right. that specific I, name for moms. I get listen, it. Listen, I appreciate you looking out for me, Zay. I don't need that's to be my job. I'm old. I know we're only a weekend. I, that's just my job. I gotta look out for you. You my dog. I, I, I appreciate gotta look that. Out for you. Yeah, man. All right, continuing the uh, the countdown, ranking the positions, and look, some of these position groups at Texas, like they would be separated by percentage points, you know, because um, now we're down at number seven, and there's only nine position groups uh, that we ranked over at Horns twenty four seven. Uh, number seven, running back. And you've got uh, – I'm, I'm a big buyer of Jonathan Brooks. I think, um, you know, this this guy's a talent. And, I mean, he he's a glider, which is just – he's a big, strong kid at six feet, 200 pounds. Um, but, man, he makes it look easy, and he, he does a nice job of cutting in space. Um, and then five-star freshman C.J. Baxter all – all I've heard is that this guy has proven himself to be an unbelievably quick study. He's six foot one, 208 pounds. He is a grown man. As my man, Sean Adams says, he's got calves, hams, and ass. And then, <laughs> and then Keelan Robinson as the kind of change of pace, you know, fly sweep, uh, catch the ball in space guy. Um, you got Jaden blue working his way up trying to get a little better in the blitz pickup pass protection and Savion red who's out should be coming back though here from the shoulder sprain and then freshman Trey Wisner. And, you know, part of the reason that they're at seven, the running back position is because we haven't seen any of these guys on a down in down out basis. What we've seen from Jonathan Brooks when we've seen him is, is good stuff. 6.7 yards per carry. It's a small sample size. It's been garbage time. Um, in the bowl game, though, Zay, you know, when Bijan and Roshan were not playing, opting to get ready for the NFL draft, Brooks scored two touchdowns. I thought he should have gotten a lot more touches, but then we found out after the bowl game that he was having hernia surgery. He still scored two touchdowns. Uh, one on a short, you know, yardage run, but the other on a nice catch and run touchdown um, that cut Washington's lead to 13-10 right at the uh, beginning of the second half. So, um, you know, running back at seven, Zay. Yeah, yeah, I'm with it. You know, Jonathan Brooks, that hernia issue, like hopefully that doesn't haunt him for the rest of his tenure here at Texas. And, you know, the whole running, the whole running back room, they got some big shoes to fill. Like I mentioned Hodges Mitchell the other day, a lot of people just jumped from Ricky Williams straight to Cedric Benson, which is very unfair. Hodges Mitchell had two back to back thousand yard seasons. He was very good for Mac Brown and that crew right after Ricky Williams. So having to fill those shoes for this run, 
running back room. I know the pressure is going to be on, but it's up to Steve Sarkeesian to put them in the best situation possible. That doesn't mean throw more. That means, you know, sometimes even though you have Keelan Robinson out there to keep the defense on that on their toes, you're going to have to run them in between the tackles. Just is what it is. Like, you're going to have to run them in between the tackles a couple of times. And like we've talked about this week also, Chip, they're just going to be flat-out games where you're going to have to run it down their throat. And, you know, Tashar Choice, I think he's one of the best running back coaches in the nation. So he's going to have these guys right. You know, you think about Cedric Baxter being the big physical 6-1 running back that he is. He's going to have to get used to getting those shoulder pads low because now that you're playing in college, you just can't outmuscle guys like you did in high school and just, you know, have those long strides get your way at the end zone. You got to be very strategic with how you run, how to pick your spots, how to make your cuts you know how to you know attack your holes everything is going to be different and he's going to have to really get used to that because i know a lot of the longhorn fans when they hear oh five-star running back coming in they think it's just obviously going to be ricky williams cedric Benson, b john robinson just jump straight into it already the best running back on the team it doesn't always work like that it could get that way but you know it's not always, it doesn't just always work like that. So you got a lot of guys in the room, you know, talk about Jaden Blue and he has to pass protect. You got to protect your quarterback. You got to be able to get the ball down the field. You got to do the dirty work. And I love the film that just came out by uh, Texas football, the film that's going around social media of them doing pass protect. Like they're doing drills for pass protect and they're really getting after it. And they're showing that, hey, this is important. It might not be pretty. It might not be fun, but it's necessary. It's a must. If you want to win the Big 12 championship, you have to be on point because we know this offensive line which I know we're going to get to very soon. We know they're experienced, but still, like at the end of the day, they're going to have a lot coming. Quinn is going to get hit. I know every time he gets hit, everybody's going to gas, but to make those hits less and less, you got to have good pass protection. And I like what I'm hearing on Keelan Robinson, Jonathan Brooks, and CJ Baxter doing a very good job of that. It's as far as Savion Red, him getting hurt, that doesn't help him. It doesn't help him at all because he's already behind coming in from the wide receiver room now to the running back room. So now he's even more behind that he's hurt. So, you know, maybe he'd get in on some special team situations and stuff like that. But we know how he runs angry. I know that he's going to want to get in there when he's healthy. But at the end of the day, this running back room, they have a lot of potential. But like you said, they haven't shown us nothing yet. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and they can catch. They can catch. Jonathan Brooks can catch. C.J. Baxter can catch. I talked to C.J. Baxter's high school coach at Edgewater there in Orlando, Florida, and he said C.J. Baxter had the best hands on the team. And we know Sark does not recruit running backs who can't catch. You have to catch the football. Um, You go back and look at Najee Harris uh, at Alabama his last year, 43 receptions as a running back. That is big time. And, uh, and B. John Robinson, I mean, B. John Robinson was a monster catching the football last year, had the best yards per catch average, 16.3 of, of any of the top receivers on the team. So um, that's a big part of this offense that should be there for Quinn Ewers and for Steve Sarkeesian when you've got the kind of 
receivers who can push the defense down the field, that underneath stuff, the little flat passes, the dump passes, the check down passes to, to Jonathan Brooks, to CJ Baxter, to Keelan Robinson, those can turn into big plays. We've seen that um, no doubt about it. So uh, just keep an eye on that as we uh, continue to count down our positions here for the Longhorns one through nine. Yo, don't sleep on Trey Wisner either. I know it's going to be tough for him to get out there, but what he showed that DeSoto, that dude could do a little bit of everything. And you could put him out as a wideout sometimes. Like he, I'm not saying he's like Debo Samuel, but that was the way he was used at DeSoto. He was used like he was Debo Samuel. You saw him in the backfield. You saw him, you know, as a wide out, like they really mix it up with him. And you talk about guys that can catch, he could definitely catch the ball. So yeah, you, you gotta have guys that can do it all. It's Steve Sarkeesian's offense when you play running back. And I think they have a lot of guys that can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So here we are eight in our list of position rankings for the Texas Longhorns corner back corner back. Now, you, you know, you mentioned Deshaun Jameson. He's gone. You've got uh, – it's been an unbelievable battle at that field corner position um, because you got Terrence Brooks, who played really well at the end of last year. You've got Gavin Holmes, the speedster from Wake Forest. Long arms. I mean, all these guys just have the, the NFL measurables. And Manny Muhammad, Malik Muhammad, the freshman, who's probably had the best – two scrimmages um, in fall camp of any of the corners, honestly. And, and Malik Muhammad could be the one putting some pressure on Ryan Watts um, because Malik Muhammad can play both. He can play both the field and the boundary corner. Um, and the guy's fearless. We talked about that. So, you know, there's your, there's your top four at corner, but you've got, you got Austin Jordan, you got Xavion Bryce. I mean, these guys are talented dudes. You're going to have, um, you know, Ryan Watts. I think he has a COVID year. He could stick around, but obviously if he has the kind of year he's hoping for, he would move on as a senior. Um, and then, you know, you're, you're expecting Terrence Brooks to continue to elevate. You're expecting Gavin Holmes, who's played, in 28 games at Wake Forest, who's got experience, that they can step up and handle it. Um, but if push comes to shove, Zay, you can put Jade Barron out at corner. I'm not crazy about that idea because I like Jade, you know, being close to the line of scrimmage, being able to, you know, maybe disguise his blitzes a little bit better when he's lined up on the slot. But, um, you know, Jade Barron's capable. And so is Jalen Gilbo. And so if, if Jade has to play some corner, you, you put Jalen Gilbo at that nickel position and, and away we go. But, um, you know, you, if, if you're seeing 23 out at corner, it means to me, something, something's gone a little off. Um, but that's also Texas's ability to disguise and try to make the, the quarterback uncomfortable having that kind of versatility. So let's see it. Let's see it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. You know, I love 
Jade Barron, again, I'm always going to rave about him being an Austin Knight. Shout out to Flukerville Connolly, but he's probably their best cornerback that they have. And I wouldn't want them to be moved either because that means there are serious problems going on. And the fact that they brought in Gavin Holmes, the fact that I think Terrence Brooks, you talked about him being good towards the end of the year. He was terrific in the Alamo Bowl. Like he really showed me something like, okay, yeah, to be that young, like he really showed up. And, you know, you saw him up and down. I I feel like, ah, what game was it? He got put in the TCU game and really struggled. And, you know, again, this TCU, they went to the national championship. A lot of people struggled with them. But I thought that he really bounced back toward the end of the season. Again, really in the Alamo Bowl game. But, yeah, you know, I Malik Muhammad, again, like for him to be this young and to already turn all of these heads, that's huge. And that's going to light a fire in the guys like Ryan Watts, which some guys are just gamers, man. Some guys don't like practice. Some guys like they need for the game to come around and you'd be like, man, we didn't see that all week. Like, okay, now he's showing up and, you know, Ryan Watts might be one of those dudes. You don't like that as a coach. Definitely don't like that because you want everybody with that mentality and it helps you sleep better at night knowing that they're 100% ready. But, hey, some guys are just gamers like Ash Shaquille O'Neal. That dude didn't practice at all, came late, was always joking around and stuff. But Shaq's a four-time champion, probably a top five center to ever play the game. Like, it is what it is. So, yeah, this, you know – This secondary and the cornerback squad, they can be very good, but just like a lot of these other position groups, if a couple of guys go down, that could be trouble for the whole entire defense. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and then offensive line. So offensive line is the ninth out of nine position groups. Part of the rationale here is, look, there were times where the the line struggled to establish the run, there were a lot of games where they they killed it with the running game, obviously finishing off the Iowa State game, Baylor, Kansas, Kansas State. Um, but we only remember the struggles, right? You, you, you couldn't or Steve Sarkeesian didn't uh, stick with the run against Oklahoma State and Texas gave up on the run against TCU. OK, that was with B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson. Now. You're going to have to open holes for Jonathan Brooks, for C.J. Baxter. Um, The interior of the offensive line has to get better. There's no question about it. Um, Cole Hudson, true freshman last year, played at right guard all year with with a partially torn labrum in his shoulder. Did not get the surgery because the team needed him and he was playing well enough to, to be the starter. He got that repaired. Um, He's going to be the the backup to DJ Campbell at right guard going into the season. And he's going to be the backup to Jake majors at center. Cole Hudson's a good player. He's smart. He's going to get better and better and better, especially with a healthy shoulder. Um, And, and Hayden Connor has gotten a lot of praise for remaking his body and doing all kinds of yoga and stuff to be more athletic, more twitchy. Um, You know, we all want to be twitchy. And so, (laughs) You know, you've got that. And then, of course, Kelvin Banks, the All-American, and, and Christian Jones in his sixth season at, uh, at Texas at right tackle. Um, but, look, 
you got to go to Tuscaloosa and be able to run the football. And I get it. Sometimes you, you throw to set up the run. Um, but Steve Sarkeesian's a play action pass guy. And that means you got to be able to sell the run to sell that play action. And um, I'm, I'm really eager to see what Texas can do, what this offensive line can do. And, and the pass protection has to be a little bit better, especially on the interior of that line. So let's see what DJ Campbell, how far he's come as a pass protector. Yeah, and what you like about Cole Hudson is that he's versatile. He can move in different spots just in, you know, in case any of those interior linemen that are starting in case they go down and him being a solid player, they probably won't lose much of a step if that happens. But yeah, I agree, you know, that even Kelvin Banks, as good as he was last year, we know in 2025 he's going to be a big time pick in that draft. He had his struggles with run blocking. Pass blocking, solid. Run blocking, still needs some work, and he knows that, and a lot of the other guys know that too. So Kyle Flood, he's been on these guys, and they know that when Quinn got hurt in the Alabama game last year, that changed the season. Like with the way that it was going and the way that Quinn looked, the season could have been completely different moving on from that game and winning that game. I'm not saying Quinn Ewers would have had the same similar struggles that he had, you know, that we saw last season if they would have won that game at DKR, but it would have been different, you know, because throwing Hudson Card in there, that was just a different vibe and everybody's morale was a little different. But, you know, this offensive line, they have so much potential, bringing them back, playing together again, even though DJ Campbell wasn't with the starting lineup last year. I think it's huge, just bringing back everybody. You mentioned Christian Jones, like, that guy, he's trying to get drafted. He's saying that, hey, I finally got it together, like, last year was my most consistent season, and now, like, he's more and more comfortable than he ever has been, and that's what you want from a six-year guy. So, Hayden Connor, with all that weight that he lost and, you know, redefining his body and stuff like that, that's huge. That's huge. So, you know, this team coming back, or this, excuse me, this offensive line, everybody coming back, I think that's going to pay dividends for the success that they have, and, you know, this run running back crew like Sark you can't be afraid to run you just you can't be afraid I know obviously he was terrified last year but if you're terrified to run with B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson that's why everybody's scared coming into this season because those guys are gone so are you gonna have the patience and you're gonna be able to throw your quarterback driven ego out the window to where if those offensive line guys they're pushing people around then keep stuffing that rock because there's going to be games where that's absolutely necessary and you're going to have to run the football in order to seal some dubs. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. Um, and keep an eye on Trevor Gooseby, the, the freshman he's, he's backing up Calvin Banks at left tackle. Um, they love his, they love his everything. I mean, they love his size. They love his athleticism. They love his mean streak. And um, you know, uh, you got Peyton Kirkland, you got, you got, they've recruited well on the offensive line. And I mean, my God, Connor Stroh is eclipse of the sun big. I mean, they got guys that, uh, that you're just, you're going, Oh man, Connor yeah. Stroh, <laughs> six, seven, three, fifty four. 
So yeah, they got a ton of guys that need to shed some baby fat still. And that's always normal when you come in and you're over 300 something pounds, you still got a little that doughy baby fat. You're always going to be a big guy, but Hey, talked about Hayden Connor, even him being on campus for a couple of years, even he's transformed his body. So you never stop trying to get better and make your body better. So, you know, you'll be available to the best abilities when you start these games and stuff. But yeah, man, Sark has recruited very well. He always talks about big bodies, big guys being very important, especially when you're going to the SEC and they've done a good job in getting those big guys for Kyle Flood and them. Yeah, man. Um, Cam Williams backing up. Christian Scott at right tackle, 6'7, 359. Big, mm. big fella. Yeah, that's what you want. That's what you want. Right. Just get, now, time to get those feet moving, baby. Zay, let's, uh, let's give a little love to our sponsors. Yeah, let's go. Shout out to Syntex Tickets. Go to SyntexTickets.com. Shout out to Shelby. Get them to me. Get them to me quick. 7-Eleven for all your snacks and Slurpees and sweets. Go to 7-Eleven. All of them around town. Relax the back. Chilling in a beautiful chair. Nice and relaxed, man. Shout out to Relax the Back. I know they're helping Bucky Gobble a ton. Woods AC and Repair. They're big time. It's too hot out here for your AC to be mucking up. Definitely hit up Woods if you're having any issues. Top Gun Rentals and Law Equipment. Shout out to those guys. Been doing a hell of a job for a very long time. And All Stout Brewery. You get your drink on. The beautiful All Stout Brewery. Headquarters in Fredericksburg. Very nice there. And I know, Chip, you can tell us about audiovisual consultations. That's right, baby. It's football season. It's here. We got games we're going to talk about tomorrow. Like Notre Dame's playing. USC's playing. Uh, and it's time for you to upgrade your uh, man cave, your we got gals listening, just making sure that you got the big screen of all big screens, surround sound. But don't go do that stuff. Don't go shopping for it yourself. You just call my man Tom McKay at Audiovisual Consultations at 255-8678. And Tom and his crew bring everything to you from the free consultation to installation all you have to do is pick up the phone and say, you know what? I want a hundred inch screen in my man cave, whether you want that, whether you want surround sound, surveillance, electronic shades. I mean, Tom can do it all. He's done it for all your favorite restaurants in Austin and uh, he can do it for you too. All you got to do is pick up the phone and call 255-8678 or go to avconsultations.com. And Zay, uh, the Texas football team, will have, have a walkthrough, kind of a game dress rehearsal tomorrow. So they will prepare uh, as if they're playing a 2.30 game tomorrow. They'll, they'll wake up. They'll do their whole routine that they will do next Saturday uh, against rice. They will do that tomorrow just so that everybody gets comfortable with what, uh, what life is like on a game day. And they are, they're not going to be cracking pads tomorrow. It'll be more of a walkthrough kind of a simulation thud type of deal, um, where they'll probably 
run a lot of the plays that they will run against Rice. They have that game plan in. Um, I'm told they're already working on Alabama, but they've got the game plan in for Rice. I'm sure they'll run a lot of the the plays that they're going to run in the Rice game. And um, and so the last scrimmage last Saturday was really the last sort of bloody, um, you know, cracking pads scrimmage going into the season to, to help uh, the coaches, you know, finalize the depth chart for next week. Uh, but tomorrow a walkthrough and then, um, you know, Monday, boom, baby, we are in game week for the Texas Longhorns. That's right. We're eight days away right now. Shout out to Jordan Shipley, by the way, arguably the greatest wide receiver to ever put on the burnt orange. But yeah, Chip, you know, this is the first week of school. They are, tomorrow they're going to do a walkthrough, and some of these guys, like the adjustment, is probably real. You know, those freshmen that got to campus, even those ones that got to campus early this past January, like it's a little different now that school has started and you're starting to feel football, like everybody's excited on campus, that football is here. You have so much expectation and so many aspirations as a team to get to where you want to uh, get to where you want to go. And this is where it starts. So I like that they're not going pads. I think the coaches have seen everything they need to see. I'm not saying that you still don't go hard in practice, but we know that practices aren't what they used to be. You're not hitting each other every single day like you used to do back in the Bill Parcells era and whatnot. So it's, you know, it's an adjustment for some of these guys, but hey, game day is right around the corner and you have to make it as gamely as possible by doing these things. Like, hey, maybe you should eat what you're going to eat next Saturday. So you know that, okay, this sits well in my stomach because what you feel tomorrow as a player even though you're trying to simulate that same feeling and Sark's trying to show these guys this is how it's going to be, you ain't going to feel that way. Those nerves and just that adrenaline, that's going to be jumping out of your bones for the first game of the season for, again, what you're playing for. This team knows what they're playing for. They know all the expectations. So, yeah, like what you feel tomorrow ain't going ain't gonna to be what you feel next Saturday. So try to do everything as much as you can, like what you're going to do during the regular season. And, yeah, I like start doing that for this team. They're staying at what hotel they stay at. I'm sure that's not given out. But do they stay at like a normal hotel over the years or like what normal hotel do they usually stay at? You know what? I don't know. Um, I think they were at the Omni for a while, but now okay. I'm, I'm not sure if they're still there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that's a little dangerous too, right downtown. Maybe they might, need to go out, <laughs> they might need to go out to the airport, Zay. Yeah. Yeah. For real, man. Maybe the Renaissance Hotel over there in Arboretum or something like that, you know? <laughs> Just get away from it all as much as you can, man. Hey, you brought up Bill Parcells. I'm going to make my chip shot today uh, a story that Mac Brown told me involving Bill Parcells that just cracked me up. So Mac is a running back at Florida State, and he transferred from Vanderbilt. So now he's at Florida State. Well, Bill Parcells is the defensive coordinator at Florida state. And so Mac gets there. He's a junior now. 
and he's he's got to sit out. And Bill Parcells says, "Hey, I want you to be my scout team running back." And Mac Mac's like, "Yeah, yeah, sure, you got it. You know, anything for the team." He said that in drills, Bill Parcells would not blow the whistle till all <laughs> till all eleven guys had hit the running back. So Mac is like, after day one, going, what the hell have I gotten myself into? This dude is going to turn me into hamburger meat. And so Bill Parcells, true to his nature, making everyone hustle to the ball, would not blow the whistle until all 11 guys had hit the running back. Yo, he was a hard ass, man. For I love Parcells. I I do, man. I love him because he didn't smile much. Probably Lawrence Taylor was the only person to make him smile a lot for obvious reasons. But that dude, he was hard nosed. I know him and Jerry butt heads a little bit. And obviously, Jerry doesn't give anybody freedom, but you got to let Bill Parcells do him, man. Oh, yeah. Hey, so you- I, covered, I covered Bill Parcells coming to the Cowboys. Um, Jacques Taylor and I broke that story, actually, that he, he was going to be named the, the head coach of the Cowboys. And two quick things. So, one, to get to your point about him and Jerry Jones, Stephen Jones was the liaison. So Stephen would go to Jerry's office and, you know, anything he needed to talk to Bill about, Stephen would go take it to Bill. And anything that Bill needed from Jerry, he would take it to Steven because <laughs> they Bill, couldn't do it. Bill, that's how Bill wanted it. And Jerry needed Bill because Jerry's trying to get that stadium built in Arlington. And and so, you know, Jera needed the and and Parcells needed the money. He was going through a divorce at that time. He he also was a, a big horse guy. Um, that's that's not cheap i don't care whether you're betting on horses or raising them Um, yeah because you know he still has houses up in the new york area so them taxes they don't do no favors either Mm -hmm. yeah and he took that job for four years at four million a pop and by god after four years he was out but yeah um yeah he he is his his sense of humor that dry wit oh it cuts you to the bone man i mean yeah he, he is He's a different dude. Um, Yeah. And then, so the other Bill Parcells story is uh, Dan Neal. Long time, you know, all all American offensive lineman won two Super Bowls with the Denver Broncos. I'll never forget. Parcells was doing this draft special for ESPN. And he was talking about how, you know, he's like, guys, you know, that he goes, that combine really is about the medical. Um, you're really trying to find out who, you know, are, are the guys you like, do, are they healthy? What's their medical history? And he said that, he goes, I talked to this offensive lineman out of Texas named Dan Neal because he'd had a knee injury and, and a shoulder injury. And I'm, I'm grilling him about these injuries. And then finally he just says, look, man, I can play football. So I don't know what you're talking about, but I can play football and I can, I can play football at a, at a winning level. 
And I, I remember calling Dan and going, do you remember this? Like you just cutting off parcels, telling him, you know, enough. he goes, dude, they, they keep you up all night waiting for your medical. They want to see how you are stressed out. He goes, that combine is all about the mental. Um, and, and, you know, for the NFL, maybe it's about the medical and making sure the guys they like are, are, are good and sound from a health standpoint. But Dan said, they're just trying to string you out with keeping you up all night, waiting for the medical, then all the interviews. He goes like, after a while, you're just like, dude, watch my film. I can play football. Yeah. And, uh, and I love that Bill Parcells remembered Dan for that because Dan, Dan's a dog, man. And oh, he was tough. Oh, man. He, uh, he had to go up against Sam Adams every day in high school. And then he had to go up against Sam Adams at A&M. He's like, I couldn't get away from Sam Adams. <laughs> Uh, he said, but he said that guy helped me to become the offensive lineman I became. And that's what you're hoping is going on at Texas. Like you hear that the defensive lines just clogging up all these lanes for the running backs that they, they don't have, you know, they're supposed to be going through the B gap. The B gap's gone because there's Tavondre sweat. Um, and they're having to reroute like uh, air traffic controllers, you know, in a nanosecond. And, um, and that's what you're hoping. You're hoping that these offensive linemen just that the dog uh, kicks in and, and, and that they take the next step as a group for a, for a new, new group of running backs. But uh, yeah, Bill Parcells, man, he's a, he's a classic. Yeah, man. Love that guy. Love that guy. Love his little documentary with Bill Belichick, man. That's a classic too. Yeah. Both of those guys and the winner mentality they have and the relationship they have. That's, that's some good TV right there. But yeah, as far as the defensive line dominating the offensive line, that's at the end of the day, you can't win games. You kiss, you can't score. And if this defensive line is as good as advertised, then Hey, a lot of these offenses in the Big 12, they're going to struggle moving the ball. They're going to struggle trying to run the ball because you got Trevondre Sweat and Byron Murphy and hopefully Alfred Collins clogging things up and just making things life hell for these opposing running backs because these guys, they saw what Morrow and Keandre Coburn, they saw them get paid. They saw those guys get drafted, and they probably feel like, man, we're right there with those guys. We're just as good, if not better. We just got to get our, our opportunity. And when you hear Byron Murphy and T Sweat talk, like I love both of their uh, uh, you know attitudes. Like they have the right attitude, especially T Sweat. He talked about playing 2K and stuff like that. And big reason why he came to Texas because of KD. That's my type of guy right there. Like he gets it. He gets it. Because at the end of the day, you know, sometimes you have to excel. I know some people don't want to hear this, but sometimes you have to excel from football in order to be the best you can be like Dennis Robin used to go to Vegas all the time for a reason you know what I'm saying so like not everybody is just eat sleep and crap football even though that's why I know a lot of Texas fans want to hear some guys need that time to do other things so they can give their all on the football field and I think T Sweat's one of those guys I'm not saying that he's not locked in that dude is locked in you could tell 
But yeah, now those guys being the main dudes with Morrow and uh, Keandre Colbert now gone, I think they are definitely relishing in taking that responsibility of being the top dogs on that interior D line, especially since we know those edge guys, there's still a little bit of question mark with them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You got, uh, you got uh, a Zay's take for me. Yeah, let's get it, man. A little Zay's take. A couple of things going down today. So Will Levis, the Kentucky quarterback that slipped in this year's 2023 draft, they thought he might go over C.J. Stroud. You talked about how C.J. Stroud picked apart Georgia in the college football playoff, which is a big reason why he went number two. And Anthony Richardson, who looked okay last night against the Eagles. He had his moments in that preseason game. Both of those guys are named the starter. But Will Levis, he's third string right now. He's QB3 over Malik Willis, guy coming out of Lincoln, and Ryan Tannehill, the wide receiver turned quarterback and former Aggie. So Will Levis, I don't know about what he's doing on the field, but Chip, off the field, this dude is making some moves. He has signed a lifetime deal, lifetime deal with Hellman's mayonnaise because of his infamous bit where he put his mayonnaise in his freaking coffee and drank that thing. Two things that I can't stand. I'm not a coffee guy. I'm not a mayonnaise guy. Two negatives do not make a positive in this situation. I'm with you. Will Levis, you have lost your mind, but you losing your mind, even though you're a third string quarterback, you've made <laughs> you've made some coin. So I can't knock that, brother. I can't knock that. Do you make your paper and enjoy it? That is hilarious. I mean, who'd have thunk when that dude took a dollop of Hellman's mayonnaise and dropped it in his coffee that it would lead to a lifetime supply of Hellman's mayonnaise, hopefully a little cash on the side. That is uh, hey man, sometimes when you're Hellman's mayonnaise, you need an event like that to <laughs> snap, you know, snap people back to consciousness about, uh, about Hellman's mayonnaise and, and they got it. And true. Yeah. Well, if you don't remember his girlfriend, who she's a looker, you know, she's a looker. Will has done very well. For yeah. Himself. We got a lot of looks at her while he was sliding yeah. down the draft. Exactly. That woman has some type of endorsement deal with Burger King, which I don't know how that's going to work. I haven't seen any commercials or promotion towards it yet, but Burger King, beautiful woman, I guess. Maybe they might do a Carl Jr.'s thing. You remember Carl Jr.'s commercial? Oh, yeah. Carmen Electra, and she's, like, eating the burger while she's washing the car. Just things that don't make sense, but I get it. I probably had Carl Jr.'s a lot during that era. Like, maybe they might do something like that, but, yeah, Will Levis and his girlfriend, they're making things happen. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That is uh... – <laughs> That's hilarious, man. Um, yeah. His, uh, I don't know what his football is. I really don't. I, I know Kentucky had a bad offensive line last year, so he's running for his life a lot. But look, he fell for a reason. Now, um, I, I just, I don't know. There's something about him that makes me think 
he's going to be a good backup in the, in the NFL if, if, if he can hang on, you know, but uh, he's got all the measurables, big, strong, but um, Hey, at least he's got Hellman's mayonnaise. Cause that, right. uh, that it, it, he clearly loves mayonnaise. Yeah. Obviously to a fault. Yeah. That just still doesn't make sense. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of people have tried that. I will never try that. I don't care how much you're willing to pay me. I, it'll be tough for me to mix that some mayonnaise with coffee and Will Levis has done it on the way to a big time endorsement deal. But yeah, I don't know how his pro career is going to be either. I mean, you would think even though he wasn't a first round pick with where the Titans drafted him, he wouldn't be QB three. I know, you know, they drafted Willis in the third round last year and he was just terrible last season, but they also, they didn't give him a chance. You know, they, they didn't give him a chance at all. We know Tannehill, he's probably ran the course of his career there in Tennessee, but they're keeping them around. And a couple of years ago, they were first in the AFC. Like, they won the whole thing, and then Joe Burrow and the Bengals walked up into Nashville and absolutely spanked them, and Ryan Tannehill hasn't been the same ever since. So Mike Vrabel, their head coach, I think he's solid. They always play the Kansas uh, Kansas City Chiefs very well, and their roster, their defense, they got good defensive linemen. They got some dudes, and Derrick Henry, he's been the best running back in the NFL for – five plus years now, but if you don't have that QB that could sling it around and give yourself a chance, then you're as good as dead in the national football league and the Titans, they have some serious quarterback issues, but Will Levis, I, he reminds me a little bit of Zach Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, he kind of, you know, he, he had 24 touchdown passes as a junior in 21 and, completed 66% of his passes. And, and obviously there was a lot of um, hype and anticipation. Kentucky was looking to have a really special year in 2022. It didn't happen. Um, And Levis threw 19 touchdowns and 10 interceptions um, completed 65% of his passes, which if you're going to be an NFL quarterback, you need to be around 70 um, coming out of college and, um, you know, Baker Mayfield, who just got named the starter uh, in Tampa, you know, he completed 71% of his passes at OU and, um, and that helped him get drafted number one overall. And even though he's been, you know, bouncing around um, and this is going to be interesting, Zay, speaking of Baker Mayfield, who played his, his ball at, at Lake Travis and all he did was win at Lake Travis um, but he didn't get recruited, you know, his dad said, or someone said TCU said they were going to offer and then they didn't. And, um, you know, this is a guy who puts a chip on his shoulder and now he's replacing Tom Brady with the bucks, the, who made it into the playoffs last year with a losing record. Um, this is a big time opportunity for Baker Mayfield. Cause he's still got Mike Evans. He's still got Chris Godfrey. Yeah, he's still got some guys, you know. Um, Chris Godwin has or been Godwin, good. He's had a – yeah, it's – oh, I was about to miss what else. But, yeah, he uh, he tore his ACL a year ago, and that was a setback. Mike Evans, man, I didn't think he would be this good coming out of College Station. Like, he's – it's Jerry Rice – 
He has 11 straight years of going over 1,000 yards, which it's kind of watered down now since there's an extra game played in the NFL with Week 18 that Jerry Rice didn't have the luxury of playing during his era. But Mike Evans has nine, and that's nine straight seasons of going over 1,000 yards. This might be it where he does it. And Baker Mayfield with the chip on his shoulder and stuff coming out of Lake Travis and going to tag, you know, being just no scholarship, being a walk on. And then what Lincoln Raleigh did with him, that's absolutely incredible. But you just don't see former number one picks play on four different teams in two years. He went from the Browns to Carolina to Los Angeles, now with Tampa Bay in a two year span. That's uncanny for a number one pick. Like, usually they believe in you a little bit more than that. But Baker Mayfield kind of has that Tim Tebow effect to where it's just – it's hard for him to be a backup just because when you're that big of a guy and always have the magnifying glass hovered over you throughout your college and pro career, being a former number one pick and stuff, like it's tough to bring all that with you as a backup because every time the, whatever quarterback that you have does bad, the media is going to be saying, well, what about that guy, the backup that you brought in? You know, it's tough to just be that. And Kyle Trask, he was drafted in the second round by Tampa Bay, too. So with him coming out of Florida, being a big, strong 6'5 guy that has a very good, you know, very strong arm. I'm not saying his accuracy is all there, but the arm's very strong. Like that leash for Baker is going to be very short. So he better perform in a very wide open NFC South. He better perform. And I'm picking the Buccaneers to be last in that division, you know, maybe third Bryce young. I think he's going to have his issues too. And I got the Falcons going number two, you know, my Falcons now chip. I could say that even though I've never been a Falcons fan in my life, Bijan Robinson makes me a Falcons fan. So when you see me doing the dirty bird, yeah, don't pay no attention to that. You know, Bijan's the reason why I got them number two. And then when you have Derek Carr coming in from Vegas, it's hard because he's the best quarterback in that uh, division. It's hard not to put the New Orleans Saints at number one. So we'll see. You know, well, here's, Baker- the thing. here's the thing about Tampa, though, Zay. What does it say? Um, they've got, they still have, we just talked about it. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. I like Rashad white at running back. I think he's, I think he's got a little something. You've still got, you know, Ryan Jensen, Tristan Wirfs on your offensive line. I get it that, uh, we're still, you know, the jury's still out on Kate Otten at tight end, but on defense, you still have Vitavea. You still have Devin white, Levante David, you know, Shaq Barrett. You got Antoine Winfield. Like, what does it say about? I, I thought I thought Brady was bad last year, um, and he was going through his divorce. Like, I, I think the Bucks are a good quarterback away, and I, I know it's crazy to say about Tom Brady. I just didn't think he was very good last year. I went to the Bucks Ravens game in Tampa when he set the NFL all time record for most sacked quarterback taking that from uh ben roethlisberger and he just looked lost now that's a there's still some talent on that bucks roster aren't they a good quarterback away from from being a a better team a a maybe 10 win 
team, 11 wins? Yeah, yeah, you would think. I mean, Tom Brady, we really saw his age show last season. He was dead last in third down conversion percentage in 2022, like dead last. Like Tom Brady, third down, usually that's money. It doesn't right. matter where that, that mark is. But I, I think Todd Bowles has struggled there. Like if Bruce Arian was there, and that's why coaching is so important. You could have all the dudes in the world, but Bruce Arian, he had it figured out. And yes, he had Tom Brady, but they had something going. And last year with Todd Bowles, he just he has a different aura about him. I don't know about him yet. He's just an interesting guy, you know, like his face and body doesn't match his voice like i don't know all those guys when you win a championship all those guys that you named they won a super bowl after you win a super bowl it's hard to find that edge you know it's hard to find that motivation again to do it again like not everybody's like tom brady and can just recharge the batteries and say all right it's time again time to prove that we're better than we were last year and time to get another one no a lot of other guys they get paid they get more endorsements like they're on commercials and stuff and that just automatically it allows you to relax so i think they also had that but yeah bruce arian to todd bowles i don't think that switch has talked about enough like that was yeah. a different team and yeah they still have a lot of very talented guys on that roster but if your quarterback and your head coach they aren't on the same page it doesn't matter how much talent is around you know because this is the nfl like you could get got very easily and their head coach still be in a question mark and now baker mayfield and the kyle trash situation that's a question mark they could easily even though they might look like 10 wins on paper overall they could easily win five i mean to your point, and this is what I contended all last year, is that the Bucks are being dragged down by Tom Brady. Like, look, the divorce has gotten to him something. He, he was not the same quarterback. And I thought he was uniquely bad last year. And, and that, like, if Baker Mayfield ever wanted a great opportunity, I know he got a chance with the Rams, but um, – you know, th here he is. That he gets to be the guy. They're not waiting for Matt Stafford to come back and take his place. Like I said, I like Rashad White, Mike Evans. You said it. Nine straight thousand yard receiving seasons in the NFL. Ten has Incredible. never been. Ten's never been done. Uh, uh, Jerry Rice did an eleven. Oh, Jerry. Okay, Jerry Rice. One yeah. guy. Yeah. One guy. Yeah. yeah. Like they got they got dudes, and so. I'm like, Baker, here is your chance, man. You want to you wanna rewrite your script? You want to rewrite your narrative? You want to you wanna change how people talk about you as a bust, as a, as a first overall pick bust who bounced from team to team? Here you go, man. You got weapons. You got dudes. You play. You, you make this team yours. You help Todd Bowles by – Coaching that offense, you know, leading them, leading them, not coaching them, but leading them. Man, Baker Mayfield, I, I, I look at the Bucks as a as a team that could surprise. And but you're right, it's a it's a they're on a seesaw because there were games last year where I think the defense got pissed that the offense was so bad that the defense was like pointing fingers at each other and. You know, you had Devin White and Levante David getting questioned for the first times in their careers. And 
And yeah, that, that's on Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles has got to make sure the culture in that locker room is, is locked in and on point and pointing together in the same direction. Um, and, and so I'm fascinated by the Bucs because they should be a team with decent quarterback play who should win 10 games. Um, and, you know, I'm, I, I'm the Falcons. I know we don't get much from preseason and Bijan didn't even play last night against the Steelers. Steelers just mauled uh, the Falcons who didn't play many of their starters. But if the Falcons defense can get it together, then I do. I think it's a, a race between um, the Falcons and, uh, and the Bucks. Now, New Orleans in that division, you got Michael Thomas. There's been a Michael Thomas sighting, Zay. Uh, we'll see. Michael Thomas, who's been rotting on my fantasy football bench, <laughs> costing me any chance of getting into a, a, a championship run because he's been like one of my go-to guys, but nothing the last two years. It's like, oh man, can we get yeah. can we get Michael Thomas going, please? Yeah, yeah, and they're unique too. I mean, Alvin Kamara, when he's on, he's one of the most, you know, versatile running backs in the league. Talk about a guy that could catch the ball in the backfield. And he had they a like Kendra Miller now, the kid from TCU, who I think solid. is going to be a star. Yeah, solid pick. Very solid pick. So, you know, again, Alvin Kamara and all that crap that he had, you mentioned Tom Brady and all the stuff that he was dealing with off the field. Tom Brady might be one of the most mentally tough players in the history of the game. So Alvin Kamara, the stuff that he was dealing with off the field, some guys don't recover from that. And you could see it in his play a little bit. But yeah, last year with just Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill and Sam Darnold, nah, that wasn't good enough and Derek Carr he's proven in this league that he could be a pro bowl worthy quarterback and yeah you know Michael Thomas, will he ever be available? Will he ever be able to get over those ankle injuries and stuff? We haven't seen him on the field in a few years, but that last season that he was able to play the full season, he put up monumental record-like season with yards and touchdowns and stuff, and him and Drew Brees had crazy chemistry that I don't know if he'll be able to find with Derek Carr, but he's definitely going to make Derek Carr's life a lot easier if he's healthy. Chris Olave, man, besides Garrett Wilson, last year his former teammate was the best rookie wide receiver in the NFL and that dude he's only going to get better and better we know the upside that he has coming out of Columbus so yeah I, I think it's theirs to lose you know I think you have to jump on them early I think Derek Carr is going to have just obvious struggles just being his first year there and trying to figure everybody out but once they figure it out with those guys that I named around him if those guys are all healthy and locked in they could be a scary team and they got a couple of guys still on defense that are solid so yeah I think it's New Orleans to lose but those don't sleep on those other three teams Bryce Young he'll have his troubles <laughs> I think he'll definitely have his struggles. Like, you know, it's just 
he's so small. And that's what I'm worried about. Like, yeah, we know he gets compared to Drew Brees and Russell Wilson and stuff. But we saw this past year, like he got knocked out pretty hard and missed a couple of games where you saw Jalen Milrow and those guys come in. So I know the SEC might be the closest thing to the NFL, but those guys in the NFL still hit a little bit harder. Shoot, a lot a bit harder. And that one hit to Bryce Young. Every time he gets hit, I'm definitely going to scream up a little bit because that dude, man, they say he he 200 pounds. Like that's what was a big upside in the combine for him and stuff like that. Uh, that dude, the buck 48, it looks like. That's a scrawny small dude, man. Yeah, but, oh, man, I hope he stays healthy. That dude is so smooth. He's so smooth. Yeah. He makes the game look easy. Um, and it's not going to be easy in the NFL. There's no doubt about it. All right, Zay, we got games tomorrow, man. We got, uh, as we wind it down here on a free-for-all football Friday. Um, and by the way, next week, we're going to start uh, having some regular guests in. We'll have uh, Hank South of Horns 24-7 um, every Monday, kind of get us up to speed on recruiting. Um, Hank also covered Alabama, so we'll be talking football with him um, on Tuesdays. Chris Hummer, National College Football Writer uh, for uh, 24-7 Sports. On Wednesdays, um, John Brown from Kane Protein. Uh, and, of course, his sons, Amon Ross St. Brown, Equinemius St. Brown. Um, on Thursdays, Lance Taylor, SEC Insider from uh, the next round live.com. And, and then on Fridays um, we'll have goose Goslin, longtime Cowboys NFL writer. We'll also have John McClain from, uh, you know, longtime columnist with Houston Chronicle talking Texans. Um, so just, we're just getting started here on chip and Zay kids. Um, very exciting football season never ends of course. And Zay We've got uh, a couple interesting games tomorrow. You got Navy Notre Dame. So this is the long time rivalry. Uh, Notre Dame keeps Navy on the schedule because Navy helped Notre Dame stay open as a university back in like the early 1900s. I don't even know the full story on that, but um, they will always play apparently. And it, it's kind of been the one game on the schedule that Notre Dame can count on for a win. But um, I'm fascinated to see Notre Dame because I like Marcus Freeman. Um, it was obviously interesting for Tommy Reese to leave there to go to Alabama. Uh, he takes Tyler Buckner with him. Um, Tyler Buckner uh, was not going to be the the starter at Notre Dame, but um I want to see, I mean, Notre Dame, people are talking about them as a team that can, can get up and maybe, you know, fight for a college football playoff berth. I want to see what Notre Dame's all about. 
Yeah, yeah, and they got a future NFL quarterback and Sam Hartman coming in for Marcus Friedman, and that dude, he could fling it around a little bit. He could definitely throw it, and it's definitely going to be a plus to what they had last year, which when you lose Brian Kelly to LSU and the success that he had at Notre Dame, like all those double-digit wins, winning seasons, and then they'd go and do big things into the SEC championship for LSU. Marcus Freeman, he had a bullseye on his back last year. Year. I know there was a lot of pressure on him, and if he, he can't have that season that he had uh, this past year, like losing to Stanford and stuff and Marshall, like losing to those teams, that can't happen. So I think that, you know, even with Tommy Reese leaving to go um, be under Nick Saban and stuff, I still think that them bringing guys in, they have a really good freshman class led by Jaden Greyhouse, the former Westlake Chaparral that was all world here in this area at wide receiver. They got some guys and, you know, their defense, I think it's going to be a lot better than it was. I like their cornerback Morrison he can really go he's a future NFL player but yeah I mean Notre Dame it's Notre Dame and that's a long way to play going all the way up to Dublin to you know play that game there could be a lot of distraction there but I think they're gonna take care of business and I think they can have a very good season all right the other uh, game that uh, is gonna command uh, some some eyeballs San Jose State at USC uh, seven o'clock tomorrow. Uh, this game's on the Pac-12 network. Are you kidding me? That still exists. That still <laughs> exists. I thought that, thing, I thought that thing collapsed with the conference. I mean, come on, man. Oh, they're hanging on by a thread, man. Can we get wow. some other television carrier to carry this game? I actually have the Pac-12 network, but so do I. I mean, I think I'm the only – well, you and I, we might be the only ones. I mean, <laughs> ridiculous. A couple of West Coast people, yeah. Everyone wants to see if USC's defense is going to be any better. We know we know Caleb Williams can sling it. Um, he doesn't have Jordan Addison anymore, but he's got talent. He's got talent everywhere. Lincoln Riley's as good as there is, scheming it up, uh, getting guys open. Um, and San Jose State, you know, they've – they under uh, Brent Brennan, they're, they're coming around. I mean, they've, they've won, you know, eight games. Um, the last 24 games, the last two seasons has been a, as good a run for them. San Jose state, God, maybe since Dick Tomey was there um, in the early two thousands. But I mean, this is a game USC should absolutely dominate. And if they're, if they're in some kind of a shootout with San Jose State, then USC's defense is, is still got a lot of work to do. Yeah, sometimes, you know, Lincoln Riley, he's not on the hot seat, but Alex Grinch is the defensive coordinator for Southern Cal. And I know that's your homie and stuff, Lincoln. You brought him with you from Oklahoma and stuff. And I know his track record, Ohio State, West Washington State, he's done some things. But you can't take him to the Big Ten with you if you have that same type of defensive effort that you saw in 2022. I mean – they gave up over 300 yards to Tulane. They got spanked. You know, it seemed like they got spanked in that game, even though it was a shootout. Like, those things cannot happen, especially, again, because you're trying to go to the Big Ten and make your noise over there. But, yeah, I, it's going to be – obviously, Caleb Williams is dynamic, being the former Heisman Trophy winner. He's trying to go back-to-back. But Alex Grinch – 
hey, you on the hot seat, bruh. Like that lovely view that you probably have at your Malibu home. Hey, you might want to start looking at your realtor because if y'all have another performance like that as just defense, just getting toe up, being in all those shootouts and stuff, ain't no way Lincoln and that athletic director staff is going to allow you to go with this team to the Big Ten. That ain't going to happen, bro. So this defense has to be a lot better. They got Bullock playing safety. He's very good. Linebacker Cobb, he's a solid player. So they got pieces to be a really good defense. It's just they got to put it all together. And Lincoln Riley, I know he's very good, but outscoring folks and stuff, being in those dog fights because teams keep lighting you up, that gets a little tired and gets a little old. Old. So college football starts tomorrow, Chip. It's been a great first week, man. Hey, great first week. We're just getting warmed up. It's gonna be uh it's gonna be an awesome football season. We love everybody who is uh finding the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel and app. Tell your friends and enemies to download the app. So easy, take us with you wherever you go. Uh, just hit play on that app. And if you need the QR code to download it, just go to my Twitter feed. You'll scroll down. You'll see it. But uh, appreciate everybody for being a part of this one. We'll be back on Monday to talk actual college football games. Uh, the dream is free. The hustle sold separately. Go to work. Peace. Y'all be cool.